Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you can turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, and Matthew chapter 26. Um, We are thrilled to be here. I'm excited, and uh, um, I've known you guys as pastor for a long time. We're in Houston when we pioneered, and uh, we turned the work over, and uh, we're in North Carolina for a short time. And then now we are here in Washington after being in Chandler for a couple of years. We're the youth pastor there. And so we're excited what God's going to do. Amen. Um, selfish ambition can be a dangerous trait. And it leads you to believe that you have everything under control. And uh, ultimately leads you to a life of uh, destruction and a loss of control. Which results in depression. It can result in anxiety, anger. So neglecting to repent can cause harm to your future. And I want to read an illustration to you this morning. Uh, Once upon a time, two people were stranded in a secluded island. And one out of them was arrogant, stubborn, and selfish, while the other was cooperative, assistive, and kind-hearted. The latter used to share all that he would have with the former, including food, water, and uh, shelter. But the same did not hold true to the former. After a month, a rescue team reached the same island, anchored their ship, and went on to search for two lost men on the island. After searching for about an hour, they reached the kind-hearted guy's hut. They were pleasantly welcomed by him, and he offered them coconut water, on which he had been surviving for the past month. The rescue team liked his cooperation and asked him to go to the ship while they would bring the second guy. So the kind-hearted guy made his way to the ship while the rescue team made their way to the stubborn and selfish guy's hut. They entered the hut and they were unable to find him. Instead, they saw large piles of coconuts stuffed inside. It was pitch black inside, so they called him out. Instead of answering them, he started to throw stones and rocks thinking that they had come to steal his coconuts. The rescue team tried to pacify him, but he continued to pelt them with rocks as hard as possible. At last, after repeated attacks from the selfish men, and since they were not able to identify him due to the prevailing darkness, one of them took out his rifle and shot and killed him. Amen. They thought him to be a tribal man, and fearing that more of them would soon arrive, they ran towards the ship. Upon reaching the ship, the kind man asked them about the whereabouts of his friend, but the rescue team told that they were unable to find him. Uh, They later told him about the incident that occurred inside the hut, and how they managed to escape from there. The uh, kind man was shocked to listen to this. And by the conditions specified by the rescue team, he was able to make out that the person they killed was none other than his friend. He prayed for his soul to rest in peace. And they departed for their home. So here's this story, right? So the selfish man in our story, no doubt, was a man that can care less about others. He was selfish. He had his coconuts. He was in his hut. He assumed control over the entire situation by hoarding all the coconuts to himself. And the final result is it led him to death because he was blinded by his own gain. And the statement I want to make is don't be the product of the slow death of selfish ambition. So selfish ambition will always lead to uh, self-destruction. So if you're consumed with selfish ambition, then you're headed down a long, dark road that you feel like you have control over, but you really don't. 
But if you live a life that is selfless, a life that God calls you to live, then you experience life and freedom and can be rescued from your trials in life. The question is this morning, are you living a life of selfish, as a selfish, ambitious individual or living a life that is selfless according to the Word of God? And if we look in our text in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, amen. Um, Philippians chapter 2, I'm in the wrong... Uh, Wrong page. <laughs> Verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of, my, uh, of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own self, but also for the interests of others. And also in our text in the book of Matthew chapter 26, verse 14 through 16, then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. God, we ask that you speak to every individual in this place, Lord. God, that you can expose selfish, ambitious areas in our lives. That we can put you first in all decisions that we make. And we thank you and we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. This brings me back memories of pioneering. Amen. <laughs> Judas Iscariot is an is a interesting character in the Bible, in my opinion, one of the most interesting characters. He followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. He saw miracles taking place. Uh, no doubt he's seen Jesus lay hands on the sick. Uh, but Judas still had, had his own selfish motives. He betrayed Jesus for a selfish motive. And after he did that, he, th he thought he assumed control. He begins to lose control of the situation and uh, his decision making, and he tried backtracking. The Bible says he went and tried to return the 30 pieces of silver. And after he did that, he felt remorse. He felt bad. He felt guilt, but he did not repent. So he had remorse without repentance. He felt bad. He didn't repent. And the end result is he took his own life. In our lives, to parallel that, we too can have selfish motives. You can betray Jesus for a selfish motive or a selfish gain. And after that, you can uh, lose control over your life. People begin to lose control. People don't backslide overnight. They begin to lose control over their life little by little. You'll come to a place where you live in regret and you're trying to make amends, trying to fix your mistakes. And it leads you to a place where you have overwhelming guilt. The danger of selfish ambition is you drown yourself in emotions and you completely submerge yourself in a dangerous place. But God wants to pull you out of that. He wants you to come to Him with your sins. He can bury them as far as the east is from the west. Judas could have been forgiven even though he traded Jesus in. Amen. I'm going to look at our first point, selfish motives. Judas had selfish motives, and we read in our text, he uh, traded Jesus in for 30 pieces of silver. We know he handled the money bag. He uh, wanted control over the money, over the finances. He was upset about the uh, perfume that was poured on Jesus as an offering, and uh, he was saying, we can sell the, uh, sell the perfume. We could have gave it to the poor, and, uh, but he had his own motives. The Bible said he was a thief. His decision-making was always linked to his own gain, what he can get out of it. Matthew 26, verse 16, and they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. 
So he wanted to portray Jesus. He got paid 30 pieces of silver, but there was a deeper issue rooted to that decision. So to understand Judas and his decision-making, we have to look at who Judas Iscariot was. Judas was a zealot. A zealot was believed to be a political movement to overthrow Roman government. So here's Judas, he followed after Jesus. Back in the biblical times, the Jews were waiting for a savior. They wanted a savior to come and save them, rescue them. But in their minds, they're waiting for probably a warrior. Someone to come and set them free from Roman occupation. And, uh, but another look at Judas and who he may have been. Uh, uh, some scholars believe that the word Judas Iscariot is a Greek form of Judah Sicariot also known as Judah the Daggerman. So the Sicarii uh, were a first century group related to zealots and uh, who also opposed Roman occupation. But unlike zealots, they did not aim to attack Romans directly. They uh, considered daggermen. They would con uh, conceal a dagger on their cloak, assassinate Jewish sympathizers. And, uh, but here's Judas. He made a decision, and whether that's who he was or not, he made a decision to something that was far more greater than just 30 pieces of silver. He was a zealot. He didn't like Roman occupation. He had a selfish motive for turning Jesus in, possibly, no doubt, wanted a warrior, but received a healer and a sacrificial lamb. So here he followed Jesus, he reached out to the lost, those who were broken, those who were, uh, uh, needed healing, that were the lame walk, the blind see. Judas saw all this taking place. So regardless of his exact motives, we know he was a zealot and he followed Jesus for the wrong reasons. In the end, he made a decision based on his own selfish motive and failed to pursue God's plan and purpose and he, uh, he ended up taking his own life. In your walk this morning, you can be blinded by all that God wants to do for you in your own life. The miracles that He wants to do for you. You can come to a point where you no longer have, uh, where you have your own selfish motives and you fail to pursue God's plan and purpose for your life. In the end, if you're not careful, you can trade in your destiny and purpose for a small amount just as Judas did. Uh, 30 pieces of silver, I looked it up, 30 pieces of silver is equivalent to about $200 today. But back in those times, you can probably buy a small portion of land. So he traded Jesus in for a small portion, but his destiny was thrown out the window. There's another story in the Bible about Gehazi in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20. I don't know if you guys know the story about Gehazi. He was a servant of Elisha, saw miracles firsthand. And so the story of Naaman, he was told to dip in the Jordan seven times. Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a valiant warrior, but the Bible says he had leprosy. He had leprosy, and uh, he was sick, and he heard that Naaman was close by. So, uh, um, uh, so he went to Naaman to be healed. Or he went to Elisha to be healed. I'm sorry. Naaman went to Elisha and went to his front door, and Elisha didn't even come outside. He sent a servant outside to go speak to, uh, uh, to, go speak to uh, Naaman and told him to go dip in Jordan seven times. And here's Naaman. He's upset. He walks away. The Bible says he was upset. But he ends up going and, and dipping in the Jordan seven times. And the Bible says that he was healed. So Gehazi is there. And he, uh, here's Naaman. He wants to give an offering to Elisha. And Elisha, the Bible says, he turns down that offering. And what the Word of God says is Gehazi says within him, in himself is, this man shouldn't get away that easy. So what, what the Bible says is he chases down uh, uh, Naaman and tells him that Elisha changed his mind. He'll take the offering. Because of his own selfish motives, 
his own selfish gain. He uh, chases down uh, Naaman, and the Bible says he lies about it, and uh, Elisha hears about it, and what happens is God uh, strikes uh, uh, Gehazi with leprosy himself, and the Bible says he walks away as white as snow. So because of Gehazi's selfish ambitions, he ends up being exposed. His destiny and his future is diminished. He's struck with leprosy. He walks away as white as snow. So like Gehazi, you too can also pursue temporary selfish motives that can change the uh, course of your future in God. So here's Elisha. He followed after Elijah. The Bible says he took up his mantle. He had a double portion and began to do a lot of things for God. So here's this servant. Here's this servant Gehazi following after Elisha. I wonder what, what would have happened if he would have uh, put away his selfish ambition, if he would have continued on with that mantle and God could have done something great in his life. Selfish motives will alter your destiny, what God wants to do in your own personal life. So if you make decisions based on what you can gain in the flesh, then you can put a stop on what God wants to do in your own personal life. But if you make decisions based on what God wants, then you can hold on to purpose and destiny that God has planned for you. The question is, are you making decisions based on what you can achieve in the flesh or what you can do for God? And uh, those little areas can pop up in our life of what we can gain. And, and we want to be successful in life, right? I mean, I was a door director. And uh, Chandler, a door director, was uh, uh, you're basically stretched out before they sent you out. And I was a door director for two years. And uh, this is back in... Uh, 2000, 2009, and uh, I was looking for work during that time. The economy really hit. I was an electrician, and I was looking for work, so I was, I was praying, believing God. We go to morning prayer. The whole whole church was packed with morning prayer. No one had a job. We're all trying. <laughs> we're all praying, asking God to help us. And so we're, we're praying, and, and um, I went to an interview, and I took a position, and uh, I took a job, and, and uh, when I took this job, it it was Monday through, uh, it was Tuesday through Saturday, and I started late, and I got off at 7.30, and I uh, started working there, I was there for a few weeks, and I began to get a little convicted about it, because I was called to preach, and I knew if I was pioneering, I wouldn't have taken the job, and so I took this position, and I began to get a little convicted about it, and uh, finally I was at a point where I went to uh, Pastor uh, James Rosario, I went to him, he was assistant at the time in Chandler, and I told him, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm convicted about this job that I took. And it was, it was my conviction. And he's like, well, have you asked God to change your hours? I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> so I, I, was, uh, I was like, you know what, maybe I should. And he was like, yeah, you, you probably should if uh, God's in control. So I was in my cubicle the next day. And uh, I, was, I was sitting in my cubicle praying. And um, I hate sitting in cubicles for, for work, just sitting in a spot. But... That's me. But I was praying and I was like, God, if, if you don't change my hours, uh, I'll put in my two weeks notice today. And that, that was my exact prayer. Um, when I talked to Pastor Rosario, I was on a Sunday. I was back at work on Monday. And uh, uh, that same hour, my supervisor came up to me. And um, they only change your hours. Uh, you only have a choice of what hours you can have if, um, if you've been there for a while and if you have uh, numbers, if you seniority and also if you're performing. I was too new to have any of that. And so she came up to me. She's like, hey, I... Um, I wanted to, to ask you if you wanted to change your hours. I was like, yeah, I, actually, I would, I would love to. She's like, well, the slot that I have open is Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. And uh, I took the, I took the uh, opportunity, of course, and God was able to turn it around. Sometimes in life, the point I want to get is we can make decisions based on our own selfish motives, our own selfish gain. 
We can make decisions and disregard what God wants to do, but God can turn it around for us. If we come to Jesus, here's Gehazi. Here he is. He, he walked away as white as snow. But what would have happened? What if he repented? Here's Judas. He turned Jesus in for 30 pieces of silver. He could have repented and asked God to set him free. And who knows what Judas could have done for God in his life. Jesus died for him. He died for us. We've traded Jesus in for far less. Selfish motives will alter your destiny of what God wants to do in your life. And we can make decisions based on our own selfish ambitions. But if we come to Jesus... With a repentive heart, he can change things around. God should be the center of every decision you make in your own life. He should be the very center of every decision that you make. I made a decision disregarding that, but I came to him about it. Don't allow outward circumstances force you to rely on your own strength. So here I was, I was trying to rely on my own, my own strength. I was going to, and I was trusting and believing God, but I made decisions based, my, based on my own strength. Don't allow uh, uh, other fleshly needs and wants before God and what he has called you to do in your life. When you re- repent and realign yourself with God, he can control the outcome of your life. Amen. God loves you and he wants you to succeed in his purpose and will. The second thing I want to look at is the loss of control. So he saw the results of his action, Judas Iscariot, right? He saw an innocent man being persecuted. His plan maybe didn't turn out the way he had thought. Many scholars believe that uh, Jesus would have been put in a corner to bring down his kingdom to overthrow the government. Who knows? But his plan didn't turn out the way he had thought. He tried to control the outcome of his decisions. Amen. Paralleling that is because of our own actions, it can hurt the innocent. You try to assume control, but it spirals downhill. And you ultimately lose control and you become trapped in your own emotions. Judas turned Jesus in. He tried to fix it himself. He went back to the chief priest. He wanted to turn into 30 pieces of silver. But in the end, he ended up taking his own life. He couldn't assume control, and he didn't go to Christ about it. And man, there's another story I want to share about a a gentleman that came to my church uh, when I was in Houston. He responded to salvation. He actually got a flyer on his car, and we're doing outreaches, and we're talking to people. We put it on his truck, and uh, he came to church. He actually went online and found the website to our church in Chandler. And um, he came to me right when he walked in the door. He shook my hand, and uh, he told me he wants to live for God. He's a backslider. And uh, he quickly locked in and um, uh, quickly became a part of our church. He was blessed. He had a six-figure income, nice truck, a very giving, uh, just a nice guy. And uh, over time, he uh, ended up meeting someone, met a girl online. And um, uh, it's not a very good idea. <laughs> Met a girl online. Uh, you know, he was in church, and uh, he came to me about her, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I met this, I met this, uh, this girl, and I, you know, I, I, I met her in person, and I began to ask him some questions, and you know, and uh, come to find out, she's a, she's a drinker, and he told me I'll bring her to church. He's like, "Don't worry, Pastor, I got it under control." And so uh, he proceeded to tell me I got it under control. He ignored my warnings. And uh, several months go by, he, uh, he disappears. Several months go by, and I'm at the store with my wife, and I received a phone call. And it's, it's uh, this man, Jeff. He called me up. He's like, hey, pastor, I was just calling to see if you can help me with my truck payment. And I was like, why? What's going on? And he's like, uh, just to be completely honest with you, I just uh, got into a very, very big fight with my girlfriend, the one that he had met online and uh, um, I started drinking heavily with her 
And not only that, I'm addicted to meth. He started uh, doing meth, started doing drugs. His life began to spiral out of control. He lost his six-figure income, uh, uh, his, his vehicle. He lost everything because he made a decision thinking, I have it under control. He's on the same relationship on and off for the fifth time. I just found out he's back with her again for the fifth time and still continues on the same cycle thinking, I can gain control over his life. Amen. A loss of control is a gradual decline that you cannot fix on your own. Judas tried to, uh, to go back and make amends. He realized the damage that he had done, but he still didn't repent. He still didn't repent. He still didn't ask for forgiveness. Guilt doesn't save you. You could feel bad about things you've done, but if you don't repent, it's not going to save you. This man tried to fix his situation on his own. Uh, he's going back to the relationship over and over again. If you fail to give God control and repent, then you can lose control over your life and over your situation, just like this man. No doubt it's an extreme case, but it can happen. If you come to Jesus for your mistakes, which we are going to make mistakes, your wrongdoings, bad decisions that are made, then God can restore your life that you lost control of. The question is, are you relying on your own strength to make amends, or are you coming to Jesus? People tend to lose control over their lives because they lack faith to put their trust in God, knowing that he's in control. Here's Judas. Can you imagine? He followed after Jesus. He saw the multitudes being fed. He saw the lame walk. He saw the blind see. I mean, all, can you imagine following Jesus? He said, follow Jesus and all that Jesus is doing for people. But he himself lacked the faith to put his trust in Jesus. He followed him. Judas lacked confidence in Jesus. You have to understand that God is always in control regardless of what you're going through. In Romans 8.28, very familiar scripture. And we all know all things come together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. When you love God and you live for Him, all things come together for good to those that love God. Those that love God do His will, not their own, right? Do His will, not their own. If you trust God, you know that He's in control. You will have peace of mind knowing that God will guide you and direct you if you love Him and you put Him first over all things. When things seem to be in chaos, messed up, or maybe you've made mistakes, if you come to Jesus... He'll give you peace that you need to make it through. Amen. You have to trust God. Which brings me to my last point is the remorse without repentance. Remorse but no repentance. Judas Iscariot felt remorse. He felt bad about what he did. He tried to return the silver, like I said before. Maybe for some type of release, right? For some type of closure in his life. You know, Jesus being persecuted and crucified and nailed to a cross. He felt bad. He felt remorse. He felt guilt. He felt an overwhelming amount of shame. He could not find the answer himself, which resulted with him committing suicide. You hear, you can feel bad. You can feel ashamed. You can feel remorse. You can feel an overwhelming amount of guilt about things in the past. You can go back and try to make amends. And at this point, depression can kick in. Depression is huge nowadays. Anger, anxiety can begin to set in and people get addicted to emotions. No doubt here's Judas, he felt bad, but somewhere he began to wallow in his emotions and uh, felt depressed and ended up taking his own life. The problem with having remorse and not repenting is it brings you to a place where you become addicted. 
to your emotions and you give up on yourself, you give up on life, you give up on your situation. I remember I, I witnessed to a man uh, years ago. Uh, we used to do this uh, every year as a hell house. We call it hell house. It was like a haunted house, but a Christian version. <laughs> so we had a, it was in our church. It was, it was large. We had about 12 to 1500 coming every, uh, every year. We did it three years in a row. And uh, we, would, we would hand out flyers everywhere. And so we were in Tempe, and I was handing out flyers. And I handed a flyer to a guy who looked pretty distraught. And uh, uh, ended up speaking with him. He ended up opening up to me and uh, what had happened earlier that day. And he had told me he was uh, trying to get home from work. And uh, he was going through an intersection, and the light turned yellow. And um, yellow doesn't mean to put your foot on the gas. And so he, he ended up putting his foot on the gas. He blew through a red light. And, um, and when he did that, there was a car making a left-hand turn, and he uh, T-bones the car, and there were seven people in the vehicle, and none of them wearing seatbelts. No, the car only fit five people, but they had seven people in there, and he ended up killing three children. And I was talking with him. He's, he's, uh, he's depressed. He's hurting. He felt an overwhelming amount of guilt, and, uh, um, and because of that accident, he's, he's telling me I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with depression. I'm having thoughts of suicide. And this happened just hours before. And after talking to him, I ended up praying with him. I ended up praying for him. And after I was done, he, he, felt, he said he felt like a weight was lifted off of him. I don't know what had happened with his life later on. But uh, uh, the point I want to make is here's a man that felt an overwhelming amount of guilt, an overwhelming amount of shame. He prayed and asked God to help him. He repented from sin. And he said he felt the weight lifted off of his shoulders. So no doubt this is an extreme case of guilt and shame. You cannot overcome your own guilt and shame unless you have God in heaven that can take it away from you. God takes away guilt and shame. He takes away depression. Remorse without repentance is the enemy of God. If you feel bad about things you may have done, Maybe you blame yourself for certain things in the past that maybe were out of your control and, and uh, was, was a lot worse than what you expected. If you don't lay it down to God, that thing can overwhelm and burden you down. You begin to spiral downhill and be, uh, become depressed, addicted to emotions. But if you cast your cares on Him, is what the Bible says, then God in heaven can reach down and pull you out of the miry clay. The question is, have you come to Jesus with your guilt, with remorse, have a repentive life. Amen. In life, we can live for God and, 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 and do some things. Make some mistakes. You have to go to Jesus. King David in the Bible was exposed and felt overwhelming amount of guilt. You know the story of King David. He, uh, he committed adultery. He committed murder. He deceived. And here he is. He's living life. And he was exposed by the prophet Nathan. Here is Nathan tells a story and, and he feels remorse. He felt bad. He did reap what he had sown, but God did a miracle in David. He gave it all to God. Psalms 51, 10 through 19. We know the song, uh, I don't know if you guys see the song, Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David repented in Psalms 40, verse 2. He also brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. Amen. If you come to Jesus, he can pull you out of the pits of life. He can place you on the rock, which is our foundation in Christ Jesus. When you repent, God pulls you out of the pits of life. 
the overwhelming amount of guilt maybe that you feel, the shame. When you repent, you're pulled out of the miry clay, no longer stuck spiritually. And when you repent, you could have a new foundation on the rock, which is Christ Jesus. He can set you free. He can restore your life and place you where he wants you to be, your purpose and destiny in life. Don't be a Judas. He had purpose in life, destiny. He could have repented. God could have still used him. Be like David. Repent. Be considered a man after God's own heart. Here he still had purpose in death. Peter repented. He denied Christ. Denied Christ. And the Bible says he, pre- he repented and preached. And God used him powerfully. Over 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. God powerfully used him. Allow God to use you this morning. Come to him. Amen. Don't just have remorse, but have repentance. Amen. We can feel guilty about things that we've done. That's conviction, right? We feel convicted. We can feel guilty. But come to Jesus and lay it down at an altar, and God's able to help you and set you free. Amen. If I can have every... You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening. And we hope you come back for more.